Because it doesn't hurt anybody if no. we just start. No, I don't think anyone really cares. No, nobody cares. At all. I I have a good time with like editing together like a f- fun like opening. Yeah, package. I mean if it's funny, it's great. But no, it's not worth the twenty minutes. No, I would agree with that. So I guess what I'm saying is, let's just get let's just get into let's, it. Let's do it. All right. So welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I'm joined tonight by Mike. We are recording on the evening of Wednesday, May 31st, 2017. Today is day 132 of the resistance. Again, it feels like a lot more than that, but... uh. It really does. Um, If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. So let's get right into our uh, best and worst news of the week. So for me, and I think this is going to be a synergy with something that you mentioned, um... For me, the worst news of the week was the two guys getting killed in Portland while they were trying to stop a racist anti-Muslim yeah. attack, um, and and the guy's in court and he's not um, he's not apologetic whatsoever. He feels that he was doing the right thing and he's been defending what he did. And I've no, you know, in some areas, in some of the seedier areas of the internet, like your four chans. There are communities of people who celebrate what this guy did in Portland. Yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, that sort of... There's always cults of personality that pop up against these sorts of assholes. And then you get copycats and... It's sort of the combination of these things happening, which is terrible, and then I feel like the sort of unanimous condemnation I would be looking for is not there and instead you have a few not that many but a few voices that are like maybe these guys are onto something so that's my worst news of the week for me the best news was actually um, Illinois passed automatic voter registration yes that was good which is a really good thing I'm you know I think as I've talked about I think we should be very focused on voting rights voting registration um, countering vote suppression efforts, and so this is this is right automatic, on track there. Automatic voter registration should exist everywhere. Yeah. So those are my two. Okay. Well, those are I think good choices. Um, so yeah, I I'm, I am going to synergize with your worst um, in that it really pissed me off that the Donald could not bring himself to utter a single word um, about those murders in Portland or or the murder of that black student um, or even the assault of the, of the reporter in Montana, um, which is obviously not as bad as murder, but is, you know, still not a good thing. And that was done by a member of his own political party and... Well, who he had recorded been... a robocall for. Yep. So it probably would have been appropriate for him to say that um, while he supported his party, you know, it was not so great that the guy had beat the crap out of a reporter. Um, I just like it, it was one of those instances where I try to imagine President Obama in the same position. And, like, you know what he would have done. And the Donald is just such a, an inferior human being. Um, so in terms of my best news of the week, um, it was announced today that 
that James Comey had, had spoken with Robert Mueller, the new special counsel in the Russia probe, and they had worked it out so that Comey will testify in public in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee sometime next week probably, um, where he, he will not probably discuss matters of the investigation. Um, he'll leave that for Mueller, but he will um, be able to discuss his personal interactions with with Donald. Yeah, um, and it's fun. And it's going to be it's congressional, not criminal. So he'll be able to say a whole yeah. bunch of things. Yeah, I mean he he'll be able to say basically whatever he wants. I think, um, and um, I'm really looking forward to it because I think it'll be somewhat entertaining. A and B, I know it's really going to piss Donald off. Well, he's like a lot. He, he's already not a fan of Comey, right? So this is really going to piss him the off. The showboater. And, yes, which is why he fired him. <laughs> I thought he sure fired him because of how horrible he was to Hillary Clinton. Oh, right, right, right. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But he also fired him because he was thinking to himself, this Russia investigation is a fake thing. Yeah, it's a fake thing to take away from his historical electoral college victory. Whereas I know that he really fired him because the orb commanded him. Well, he hadn't met the orb yet. That we know of. That's true. Uh, we, there, he had not been photographed with the orb. Well, the orb is, a, is a, has the phenomenon of the orb has temporal elements. So, in fact, it can influence his behavior before <laughs> he touched it. I, I think you get a, a real quick glimpse of the orb at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm such a huge fan of the orb. I think I don't understand <laughs> why they let him take that picture. I think he wanted to I'm take sure that picture. I'm sure he did. Of course he did. He got the, the, the guys being like, hey, come touch this cool orb and be, look cool. And he was like, I love and it. And stand next, stand next to two autocrats while you're, he's doing Apparently it. Apparently that orb's function was to turn on the anti-terrorism center. Yeah. It was like a light switch. This is a guy who does not understand how Saudi Arabia funds Salafi extremist schools all over the place. No, there was... Um... A fair amount of discussion in his historic and probably most important speech of all time, according to Sean Spicer, um, about Shia-sponsored terrorism. And as far as you would be able to tell from Donald Trump's speech in Saudi Arabia, there is no such thing as Sunni-sponsored um, terrorism. It is fun to watch him because his level of ignorance is so profound that even when he makes up stuff, it's it's like incredibly off base. Like he doesn't even know enough to convincingly pretend to know something. Well, it's true. I mean, it, it requires like at least like a third or fourth grade education. Or even I he think. could just listen to his briefers, but he doesn't do that either. Well, he doesn't want to listen to them. He wants it as we we've, we've read about in the last couple of days. I think the Washington Post had a story about his briefing and how um, they wouldn't say which presidents, but some recent presidents would have daily briefings that were as thick as like 250 pages. And Trump has his down to one page with, um, with quote, awesome graphics. I think I can get us a good segue here because um, one of the pieces of news I picked up over the last week is that apparently Jared Kushner receives his own intelligence briefings yes. prior to the president receiving his intelligence briefings. That's fucked uh, up. And Normally, I would say I don't know how I feel about that. I know how Except I feel about case, it. I know exactly how I feel. Yeah, exactly. It's fucked up. 
That guy didn't win Why any elections. He... he lied on his security yeah. clearance form. Why that we shouldn't tell him anything? He couldn't even get into college, right? I mean, <laughs> don't you feel like he, he has a to... big chip on his shoulder over that story? Oh, definitely. I mean, and granted, I I was around for some of that, so I I saw how much fun he was people were having at his expense, and I probably would have not been that happy if I had been him either, but... Um, He's, like, real dumb, though, yeah, is the I truth. Mean, oh, yeah. I mean, and uh, I, I don't think he's ever run... I mean, he, he's very similar to Trump in that regard. He's dumb. He's never run a business successfully. Um, his father uh, is a criminal, uh, in his case, actually convicted, um, unlike... Fred Trump, who was more Although of Fred a... Trump was once arrested at a Klan rally. Yeah. Right. Not but on the good arrested... side of that, either. Arrested, but not convicted. I mean... And he cut... Yeah, but he was, he cut he a was deal. participating in a Klan rally, which is its own kind <laughs> right. of... Verdict. And he cut a deal with the, um, with the FBI so as not to be prosecuted for civil rights offenses, remember, in the 70s. Yep, they, so, again, uh, they did not, not convicted. people of color living in those buildings. No. They had code words for uh, people of color. This guy's the president. Um, but I was trying to segue us over to the other fun yes. Jared Kushner adventures this week, including his efforts to set up a back channel for communication with Russians. Yeah, so this is really pretty fascinating. I think this came out shortly after our, our last show, um, when it had, I think it had been revealed that he was the focus of of an FBI investigation, but we didn't... We didn't really know why other than his meetings that he hadn't reported, but um, it was uh, NBC News which broke the story that he, in one of his meetings with the now extremely infamous ambassador from Russia, uh, Sergei Kislyak... Who? I don't remember he, such a person. Yes, it's it's amazing how you can't remember him. Um, he actually asked, and this is during the transition, so this is while President Obama was still the president... Um, and Jared Kushner, as you mentioned, was not elected to anything. Um, but not only was he not elected to anything, but he was like straight up a private citizen at the time. He was just a regular right. guy. Yeah. I mean, he was like you and me and he meets with the ambassador and he says, I would like to set up a, a direct back channel link to the Russian military and Russian intelligence and to make it, you know, even more kosher, I'd like to do it on your secure communications equipment in, in the Russian embassy. Didn't, was it not, that he went to the Russian American consulate government. in New York to talk about this, or that, that he was proposing that they should set that up? Uh, I'm not Or was this totally during the meeting sure at Trump meeting Tower? Because Kislyak did sneak into the Trump Tower. Yeah. I mean, I think he met with him multiple he, times. He, like, hid under a room service cart so they right. could get him in without the press seeing him. They, they snuck him in the back. And this was a... No, uh, Another meeting that Michael Flynn was at of course. as well. This all seems he's really everywhere. shady. Yeah, so at first they, they the White House was trying to claim that, that this was all totally normal and that um, Jared was just trying to to set up talks about how to peacefully resolve the uh, Syria problem. My ass is my answer yeah. to that. Which w- clearly makes no sense. They've actually stopped even using that as an excuse. Well, they tried it out, um, and they were like, no one's buying this. Right. There's, you know, now they're they're saying that, you know, JFK used a back channel with the Russians to avoid nuclear Armageddon. Yeah, he was the president at the that Cuban time. It's a little bit right. different. Well, we also didn't have, um, 
you know, embassies. No, but there's the thing you mentioned. We we didn't have we didn't have diplomatic relations with the Russians, and so really the only way to directly communicate with them at the time was through a back channel. I'll go even further. If the president thinks to himself, "I need a like a under the radar way to communicate with Russian government," and or any government, then you go to the CIA and you say, "Hey, I'm trying to figure out a way to talk to these guys and keeping it real cool." Sometimes you don't even need to go to the CIA. You can just go to the State Department. Sure, there's all kinds of... Go- but you don't go to that other country's government. <laughs> well, and you you certainly don't do it when you, all, when you are not a member of any government yourself. Well, exactly. And that's the other thing in which you referred to is that if Trump have a, was yeah. the... Pre- if, if Donald Trump, who is the president, wanted Ugh. to set up a channel of communication with Russians... That'd be one thing. That'd be one thing. But we're talking about some kid who has no electoral power, no authority, just deciding it would be a cool thing to set up a secret communications link with the Russian government and keeping it on the DL from our own government. Yeah. I mean, I I saw one former member of the CIA say that if, you know, if any member of any American intelligence outfit did something like what Jared did, they would be violating the Espionage Act and could be tried for treason and be put to death. This is another one, too, where Jared should be really a lot more careful than he's being because Trump, being the president, there are all kinds of things that he can do that if anyone else did them, they would be totally illegal. But yeah. because he's the president, he can do them. And and I understand there's a whole separate conversation about how, you know, for Trump to reveal code word classified intelligence even though that's technically legal it's not good it's to do and it's and like a politically it's a yeah. huge problem for him or it should be but putting all that aside it's just straight up illegal for kushner to do a whole bunch of things like you're saying and he he may have done right he may have done illegal things um in i mean he had so many of these meetings well and that's we the other really thing he what, didn't just meet happened. with kislyak he met with this banker who was under sanction from the current Obama administration because of the Russian hacking and the election. What was that banker's and, name? Uh, Gorkov. And this was this banker was also trained as a spy. Yes. Um, the the Russians going back to the Soviet era have a have an actual spy school. It's it's like a university that you go to before you enter their version of the CIA. Um, Isn't that just Yale? Yeah, right. Uh, I think Princeton was the uh, was the biggest one. What was that back in the day? Um, but um, yeah, Princeton and Georgetown, I think. But no, I mean yeah, we we have training facilities, but like, but we don't. There's like literally a school that you go to if you if you want to grow up and be a spy in Russia. And this guy went to it, and then years later he would go on to have secret meetings with the, Jared Kushner, uh, Russian ambassador. What's that? As did the Russian ambassador. Well, of course. <laughs> it goes without saying, or it should go without saying, that the Russian ambassador is not is not a totally white hat figure. Like, he works on one side of the line, mostly. Oh, by all accounts, he, um, he, he either runs all of the intelligence activities that go on in, um, in the U.S., or he uh, is in charge of recruiting assets in the u.s sure he's at least part of recruiting assets if not 
in charge of it. I mean, yeah, the Russian ambassador to the United States is a very particular job. Yes. With a lot of different with a lot of different complicated parts and And to be fair, I am sure historically our ambassadors to Russia have done Oh, of course. Things. Of course. And that's fine. But like like if Jared Kushner had gone to the Danish ambassador and was like, I want to set up Nobody a back channel, that's fine. I don't care about that at all. It's weird. But he didn't do that. He went to go talk to these Russian dudes. And I've well, said this I, before, yeah. that like I do feel like we focus a lot on the Russia thing and not always to the benefit of the larger you know, conversation. Having said that, this is some really stupid stuff Jared is doing. At best, stupid, if not actively illegal and, uh, and corrupt and I mean, fraudulent. It's just that, I mean, the volume of stuff involving the Russians... It does keep accumulating. It's just so huge. I mean, it's like every day there is something new and sketchy. And it's like, why is it all focused around Russia and... At the same time, it happens to be during an election where the Russians interfered in the election. Where he asked them to. Literally. Literally. Donald was yeah. like, Russia, I hope you find the email. But so let's take a step back a little bit, because I think I referred to how sometimes I worry about the Russia thing. I think my worry is that this is all going to be true. That's not my worry. I- I'm pretty sure that there will end up being some kind of a... I don't think anyone's going to come out of this totally clean. I think... There's going to be. Oh, I think some people are going to prison. Well, yeah, yeah, and so, but but so I tr- then I think is that going to improve? That doesn't really solve the problems that I'm worried about, which are the political situation. It might help in the sense of mitigating the the Donald Trump problems, but we still have all these problems related to a Republican House, a Republican Senate, a Republican president. And all the, you know, terrible things. Like, getting rid of Donald yeah, Trump I mean, doesn't help us save healthcare. No, but I think that if if the scandal rises to the level where Trump is gotten rid of either through some political mechanism or becomes so toxic that he can't win in 2020, uh, because the Republicans have been so courageous in their uh, defense of him, many of them will go down with the ship. I think the the, I mean, the difference maybe that you and I have is I'm not sure I believe that. But And the reason I say that is we've been thinking, we've, I've heard, you know, one learns a lot about Watergate and think about the relationship. Yeah. And it seemed like at that time there were people who supported Nixon and people who didn't support Nixon. But there was a certain threshold of behavior where once it became proven that Nixon did that, the Republicans, was done. The certain yep. Republicans turned on him. And they didn't turn on him, but they said, look, this is too much and we can't do this anymore. Yeah. How- Howard Baker of Tennessee told him he had to go. Yeah, and I Republican. don't – and my worry is that it, for whatever reason, it seems like the Republican sector of our polity is more degraded now than it was then. And so let's say we true. get all this proof that – Trump did something really horrific. I mean, not really horrific, but like, let's say we get proof that he said, okay, I'll lighten sanctions if you help me, you know, put out negative information about Hillary Clinton, right? Which is the collusion everybody's thinking about. Let's say we found that, and all the Republicans were like, well, that's just the rough and tumble of elections. 
I, I think it's possible that that would happen. Um, I guess what I would say to that is uh, Donald Trump lost the popular vote by 3 million votes. I Yes, he won, which... He won the Electoral College effectively by 75,000 votes total. Um, we're talking about a, you know, he, he had to have a, a perfect storm uh, in order to win that election. The level of scandal and craziness that has already happened and would only increase if, you know, if Robert Mueller released a report saying that he did all sorts of illegal things, I think that it would be hard for the Republicans to keep enough of those swing voters, even with their hardcore base, to maintain the presidency, certainly. Um, and uh, I think you combine that with the horrible political mismanagement of the healthcare bill, and the House would also be in uh, very much in play. I totally agree. I think I'm maybe even even without Republican cooperation in prosecuting. Right, because we can't impeach. There's no impeachment. Unless, because the Repu- impeachment happened through the House and the Senate, and right now the Republicans control both, and so we're not going to get impeachment. The only way we're going to get impeachment, I think, is if it lasts through 2018 and the Democrats take the House back. And then my problem is, here it is, it's May 31st of 2017. This guy's been president, I don't know how many days, but like not that many days relative to the whole... 132 days. He's got more to go than he, we've gotten through. Well, a lot more. And it's already been such a disaster... I mean, he, it's, I guess, you know, we, we can't speak for, uh, like, pre-industrial America, certainly. Um, but in the modern era, with the, I suppose, the possible exception of Nixon, um, this is probably already the most scandal-filled presidency that we have had, and we're 132 days in. It's also, the, Im- the practical impacts on people's lives have been horrible. Yes. The deportations, the emboldening of these white nationalist terrorists. The um, normalizing of violence against the press. Yep. Is a, is a terrible, terrible thing. He's already disrupting the health care market, and he hasn't even done that much. Like, no laws have taken effect yet. But just the, the tenor of how they're acting is causing disruption in the health insurance markets. Yeah. The environment is getting... We're going to destroy the environment because he's in a right. bad I mean, we're already destroying the environment. We were already destroying... Yeah, I guess yeah. the rate at which we were destroying the environment looked like it was potentially going to start decreasing. Right. And he and was like, you know what? Let's, let's go all the way. Let's just destroy the whole thing as fast as we can. Yeah. And that's really impactful. I mean, these are things... That, that one is going to be... A thousand years from now, the impact of the decisions he's making right now will be noted, will having noticeable impact. Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that we talked about before we started recording is I do think that the the daily it's not even drip, drip, drip because the scandals hit harder. Like a torrent. Than that. Um, um, the daily scandalizing, I do think, combined with the inept ability to govern of the. House Republicans in particular, I think it has had the effect of greatly slowing down the impact of unified government. 
Well, um, yeah, I I agree I with mean, that. If you, if you compare, you know, to 2008, right? So President Obama comes into power. He's got uh, Democratic House, Democratic Senate. He achieved quite a large amount. He had a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate too. He, he did, he did, and he, he which Trump does not. Um, but uh, he achieved a lot, and uh, I mean, as you, as you've mentioned, Donald really, with the exception horribly of of the Gorsuch uh, nomination, we're going to be feeling um, that one for a long time. Uh, we definitely will, and some of these executive orders that it's a little hard to say exactly what impact they have since those are not laws. Um, but th- there's been almost no significant legislation passed at all. It's, it's mostly been like federal deregulation that, that Trump is able to just, you know, decree as a, as a king. Well, that's would. true, but he, there have been a lot of really impactful executive branch adjustments. For sure. Per, um, particularly in, in the Department of Justice, with all the horrendous shit that Jeff Sessions is doing. So um, I, guess, I mean, I guess what I'm just trying to say EPA is, and so on. the scenario where the Democrats take the House in 2018 and then start really investigating—that's 18 months from now. You know, like right. Well, I don't, I don't think we need to worry about the investigating quite so much because Robert Mueller is already investigating. Um, I, I don't, you and... know, I guess I'm, I think that if the House flips Democratic, that would be a problem for the Trump administration in a lot of ways. Oh, definitely. They wouldn't be able to pass any law. You know, there'd be, there'd be no, there's no filibuster no. in the House. So there, there would be. No, they, they'd be, they would basically be, we could obstruct him as much as Obama was obstructed. Yeah. And, you know, that's a useful thing, but I guess what I'm focused on more is the situation we're in is extremely bad. Like, what it's going to take to undo this situation is Democratic majorities in the House and the Senate and a Democratic president, and we would need all of that for, like, 10 or 15 years in order to, like, put a, put everything back on the right track. Yeah, I think that's right. And so... With, if that's what I'm looking for us to get, the idiosyncratic foibles of the Trump people is sort of a sideshow. It's not going to help, right? We get rid of Trump and everyone's like, all right, well, Trump's gone. But this guy, you know, Ted Cruz seems like he's making some good sense or, you know, whoever it might be, right? Because they're going to, the Republicans won't just disappear. They're still, they'll still exist. And we can't, we won't be able to keep saying, but Trump was such a nightmare. And also there's people, he, he has like a core fan base that is... Well, his core fan base is a lost cause. Yes, I agree with that. But they're very efficiently distributed geographically. That they are. And so we have that problem to contend with. That's why I'm happy about the voting, regi- the automatic voting registration. And I yeah, think I mean, we have, um, you know, we've, we've got a, a built-in national disadvantage in in the House of probably somewhere in between three to six percentage points on like a generic national ballot. That's true. Felix, so we were talking about Jared Kushner. Here's the big question I want to ask you about Jared Kushner. All right. So Jared Kushner's a moron. Donald Trump's a moron. Yes. They're pretty much all morons. (laughs) Um, And 
doesn't it scare you to think, what if they were smart? Well, that was what I was going to say, is imagine if this administration was competent and was passing legislation and was running the government like a well-oiled machine. Like, if they were just that a little be, better, they would be, they could be do all kinds of stuff. frightening as hell. Yeah. And, and the thing is, if Trump can get elected, I don't see why some smarter version of Trump couldn't. No. That's, uh... It's entirely possible. I mean, and... Uh, I think a discussion that is going to have to be had at some point, um, and I, I guess a lot of people would say that they were pointing to this during the um, W and Obama administrations, is the is that the the strength of the executive branch has gotten out of whack. I agree um, with that, although I'm not sure. I think that's the main source of this problem. No, but I, I think w- w- what you are seeing here is a lot of stuff that uh, Trump is doing, like the obstruction of justice matters with Comey and the Russian investigation and so on. There, there are a lot of things that are clearly wrong, but aren't 100% necessarily criminal. So, um, I mean, the president and, is in a weird situation in terms of things yeah. he does being criminal. Right. Um and and so Trump is doing, I think, a, a whole bunch of things that nobody ever anticipated that a president would do because they're so beyond the pale. Um, and so I don't know how we deal with that for the future. I mean, uh, I saw, um, I think Matt Iglesias was talking today about, you know, Perhaps it might be time to have a constitutional convention. Eek. Um, and, you know, discuss some increased checks and balances to prevent the Trumps of the world from from wielding uh, so much potential power. I, I, I don't I know. tend to think I, having I, a constitutional convention would be a huge mistake. Well, I, I do too, just because I feel like the um, people that we agree with would be much worse at it than the people we disagree with. Well, not even just that, but like we've spent hundreds of years... It would be like if you spent a really long time refining something, and then like it didn't work quite right one time, so you were like, let's just chuck it and start over from the beginning. You know, People have spent a lot of time trying to get this system of government to be... Well, yeah, I think if... Maybe or maybe a constitutional amendment is in order. I mean, that, well, that I, I mean specifically to me, the national popular vote. Yeah, an abolition of the electoral college in favor of national popular. I vote. want us to have proportional representation too. Yes, I mean, I think the, you know, uh, one of the certainly one of the things that gives the Republicans an outsized grasp on power is the fact that. Um, they control states with small populations, and uh, and those states are way overrepresented in Congress. But so it's you're not giving me you have <laughs> your answer to the question is the same as mine, which is that yeah, well the problem which is not that surprising because you and I we are, think along the same lines. I think I'm I've actually been surprised at the level of public like. 
I was about to say, I'll, I'll, exp, I'll explain this more, but I was going to say, I was surprised at the level of public acceptance of what Trump is doing, and it has not been universal. There have been a lot of really strong demonstrations and things like that, but the thing, the way he's acting, to me, should be garnering universal disgust. Like, yes. the fact that there's anybody who is like, he's doing a great job, I love it, is really disturbing to me. And then the fact that that's actually 40% of the population is incredibly disturbing to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I'm sure that in private, um, there are many elected Republican officials who are pretty disgusted with Trump. I'm sure there are too, but they're um, and, part of the and, problem. And think he's a crazy person. Oh, they're totally, they're, they're worse than the non-elected officials because they, they're in a position to do something about it. Um. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, uh, I will say, um, for as poor a job as I think they did in the run-up to the election, I guess largely because they didn't think Trump could win, um, the American press has probably been the single most important institution in checking Trump's power to this point. You don't think it's the judiciary? I mean, the judiciary in some specific instances has been um, extremely powerful, um, most importantly in the case of the travel ban, right? Well, but that, it's funny that that's a good example where, like, if you were smarter, right, and you just didn't tweet and have it on your website about banning Muslims. He could have gotten away with it. He could have gotten away with it, and, and it would currently be happening. Yeah. So, you know, we I, I think sometimes I feel like, oh, well, you know, institutions are standing up okay but in a way this is sort of the easiest possible like test of can our system resist a fascist authoritarian takeover and it's we're like barely passing we're like not well, passing. right because it trump made i mean he's made lots of mistakes but i think two of his biggest mistakes is that he has directly picked fights with uh, the intelligence community and with the media his relationship and... with the media is interesting I think it's it's sort of like a twisted addiction on both of the on both sides. Oh, definitely, definitely. But I, I think I think they've turned the media has turned on him mostly, you know, with the exception of the um, the built-in conservative media. Um, Speaking of people, I, the media turning on people. I want to ask you something, but it's not on our outline. Yeah, well, yeah, go for it. Did you see this Hillary Clinton interview she did? I did. She seems angry. I think um, I, I've, there's something really interesting happening where anytime she says anything, there's a there's a large group of people who say something to the effect of, you know, she blames everybody but herself, or yes. she's not taking responsibility, or she keeps blaming the press. So the thing I wanted to ask you about Hillary Clinton is... Or don't do you, <laughs> I realized I was about to be like, please agree with me that, um, <laughs> so, so rather than ask it as a question, I, I just think it's so strange. Like Al Gore lost the presidency and then he got excited yeah. about climate change and he made that his thing. And like John Kerry lost the presidency and then he became secretary of state and did that. And like, at no point do I remember people being like, it's shameful that Al Gore won't take responsibility. Like, no, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, 
I'll play devil's advocate for a second. Oh, for um, love of God, must you? Um, no, I must not, but I will. Uh, uh, it, it's a little bit different just in the sense that Al Gore and John Kerry never rehashed the election. Um, like Al Gore in particular made a conscious decision after the Gore versus Bush Supreme Court case that it was for the good of the country to legitimize the result of that case as stupid as it was. And so he went into private um, back back a, a, as a private citizen and he just didn't talk about politics or the election at all. And grew a beard, got fat, and uh, divorced his wife. I was going to say that part. Uh, and and John Kerry went back to the Senate and didn't talk about the election. Um, you know, he, he did he continue to be, um, uh, you know, an advocate against George W. Bush and the Iraq War and whatnot? Sure, um, but he didn't talk about the election. I, I think, I, I think. But some people of ask it is, her about it. It's not like right. she just goes out and says, like, "Hey, everybody, I think the election was bullshit." Like people ask, what she's supposed to say? But do, does she get all that shit? in large part because she has a vagina, of course. Well, that's what I'm trying to get at. Or, or I, I think there's a whole bunch of things. This has been true the whole time. And I realize we're now doing our patented let's spend 45 minutes talking <laughs> about the 2016 campaign. But the thing that I thought was interesting specifically about this interview was it seemed to me that she was just telling them her honest opinion about what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they asked her these questions. And she's well within her rights to answer the question. And yet it seemed to just make certain sectors of the press just lose their minds with, like, rage that that she wouldn't... It's like they want her to go out there and just, like, slit her wrists on stage. You know, like, there's, or, there's or so much disappear. wrath. Yeah, they, well, that's really what they want. They want her to just shut up and go away and never... Well, the press has always hated her. Well, they really no. do hate her. And no. so I just thought that was really striking. I don't really have a question here, but I think... The other one like this that's really interesting to me is actually Chelsea, where every time Chelsea does anything, everybody loses their minds and is like, you know, Chelsea, stop running for office. Like, it, the world is tired of Clintons. And I'm like, Liz Cheney is in the House of Representatives. And, like, that's fine, but that's an interesting, you know, yeah. like... No, you're, why- you're totally right, and it's not fair to Chelsea Clinton, who has not done anything wrong. Uh, and she's not even know. running for anything. Um, it, it's, it's simply, I think there are... Uh, there are a lot of people who recognize that the Clintons are such a lightning rod, not necessarily deservedly, but they are. Um, One of them more deservedly. Right. Bill Clinton actually did do a bunch of really scandalous stuff. Sure. Um, But that it, is there any benefit to Chelsea Clinton taking big public stands on things when you know what the reaction is going to be? Even if it's not deserved. But okay, so that's interesting. But don't you think that's also bullshit? Like that's the thing where we're saying, uh, totally Look, is. All these crazy people exist. So even though it's not fair, you should just shut up and disappear, or else these people are going to go crazy. That doesn't seem right either. I guess what I would say is normally, I would a hundred percent be on the same wavelength with you. I I think in this particular instance, because Trump is such a monster and is such a literal and existential danger to the country that we have to do everything absolutely possible to combat and resist him. And if that means that Chelsea shouldn't tweet for a couple of years, 
even though it's ridiculous that she shouldn't be able to say what she wants, um, it's perhaps for the best if she doesn't. I follow your logic, but I think I just find that I can't accept... I mean, it's bullshit. Well, it's sort of like... It's like the... Whatever, I don't know what to call it. Like, the conservative sort of reactionary position is... Hillary Clinton is horrible, and she should never speak again and go away, and we should lock her up. So that's that position. And then we say, oh, that's really unfair, but like we're really trying to do our best in our elections. So yeah, she really should. Like I don't like that we end up in the same place. No, I know. I, I you know I, I've thought about it this way too. So hypothetical. Um, there, there are a lot of people who have been saying things like, why is President Obama not speaking out more? Um, and I, I thought about that and what would happen if president Obama started speaking out very publicly? And are you going to do, are you going to talk about this tactically and sort of, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it would not be the same reaction as what Hillary and Chelsea get because Barack Obama is a beloved and revered figure, right? Um, and well, and also, I mean, there are different positions because he's a two term president and still, and there's a whole set of very specific norms world. about like what ex presidents are supposed to do and well, there's, say. There's that, but he also is someone who Republicans hate, right? Um, I don't think they hate him the way they hate her. They hate him in different. They hate him of a way. lot. I mean, they 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 used their uh, they used him as a boogeyman for eight years to to in order to be completely obstructive and and so on. It I think it would it would end up uniting the Republican Party more so than they are now if... Well, it definitely if, helps if he Trump to have an enemy. Right, and one who they already have a lot of machinery in place to dislike. I mean, I don't have a good answer here, but I just think... it's It just seems really messed up. It that... is messed up, but I, I, I think that President Obama has made himself a tactical decision that it is benef- more beneficial for him to keep his comments as limited as possible right now. Um, I guess my position is e- each of them should uh, be free to behave in whatever way they decide to behave. Yeah, I agree. And so Hillary Clinton gets invited to speak at an event. She goes, they ask her questions, she answers the questions. I think I think she should continue to um, to do so if she wants. The other thing that was frustrating is I didn't think she said anything that wrong. No, she didn't. I agreed with everything she said. But... I mean, do I think in general that Clintons are very good at um, taking responsibility for... Uh, political shortcomings? No. I mean, but... what do you mean when you say taking responsibility? What's she supposed to do? I'm thinking more in this case of, like, the 2008 primary campaign against Obama. I, I mean, I guess if we had some graph of how good politicians are at gracefully accepting losses and not, you know, what you're talking about, I don't think she would be a big outlier. I think losing yeah, a political campaign right. is hard and makes people unhappy. Particularly when you're really sure that you're going to win. Right. And so, you know, I'm sure she feels... I'm well, sure she, it's not a pleasant experience for her that I she lost I think it's pretty clear that, she's, that she has some bitter feelings. And I'd hardly blame her for it. <laughs> I just think... 
the other the flip side of all this too is that the press has shown no interest in examining their part. No, that pisses me off way more than anything else. Is that you know, and and you do see this a lot on with reasonable, more independent members of the press on particularly on Twitter, where um, you know, you know, she'll say something and then the most of the media will go nuts and then people will post you know the new york times front page with her and huma abedin on the day that that comey released that stupid letter um and it's like why has the times not examined their significant role in you know propagating the freaking email service story the thing it reminds me the most of is the iraq war yeah where there again, you sort of had like the received wisdom among the media in that case was that we had to do the Iraq war and it was they, you know, that the weapons were there and that we were going to have a successful incursion and all that. And then it all went the way it all went. And they were like, oh, well, how did this all go so wrong? Like, wow, weird. They, they still, the New York Times has still never really owned up to their role in making the Iraq war happen. Well, the New York Times has a long and illustrious history of doing that. I mean, they didn't own up to their role in suppressing information about the Holocaust, which they very much did. I think what bugs me here, I I feel like I've arrived at something. I think it bugs me when they want her to take responsibility for things that were outside of her control. Yeah, while taking taking no responsibility. She's not good at campaigning, you know, and I feel like... But she's not really. (laughs) <laughs> she's not. She never has been. No. And that's not something that is... I don't know how she would take responsibility for that. I feel like she is, like... I feel like she ran the best campaign she was able to, which is what people do. And then the media just decided that this mistake she made with her email server was more important than all the times Trump talked about how he liked to sneak into the ladies' dressing rooms of the beauty pageants he owned and inspect things. Right. I mean, she made some tactical errors as well. Like, she should have gone to Wisconsin. I actually uh, disagree with that. People say that all the time, but I don't agree with it. But it's it's also, whether or not it's true, it's very minor in comparison. Well, she went to Pennsylvania a ton she and did. didn't win it, so I don't see what people think is going to happen. If she goes to Wisconsin one time, what possible difference could that make? Well, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin are not the same place. No, I know, so. but you know what I'm saying. I, like, I, do, know, I do know what you're saying. And I, I do not think that one or two rallies in Wisconsin would have won her the state. But maybe spending uh, a lot more money on... Um, on resources in Wisconsin. Yeah, and I think this is a very... What you and I are talking about right now is a very common post-election, you know, like, John McCain did that. You you can... If people were saying to Hillary, like, you know, do you wish you had spent more money in different ad markets? Like, that would be one thing. But people are saying, like, why won't you take responsibility for how everybody is really sexist and we reported on the email story so much and Anthony Weiner is a weirdo and why don't you apologize and for Vladimir how Jim Putin Comey loves hacked, his, hacked the, the DNC. Yeah, how he loves yeah. his integrity and that you're, and that John Podesta was a moron and clicked on a link in an email. like, And I'm like, she didn't do any of those. Th- like, So yes, those things are factors and it we can argue about the waiting, but what is she supposed to say? It's not that she she didn't do any of those things. No, I agree. We are, but yeah. we are in agreement. So anyway, I was just noticing that with this yeah. 
I also think it she's actually more interesting and fun to watch when she's not campaigning. Oh, sure, because she'll be a lot more free with what she says. I mean, having said all that, I do. She and I Trump got think, into a stupid little Twitter spat tonight. Well, I don't think she should be tweeting back at Donald Trump. Like, it doesn't achieve anything. Uh, and, and well, it's it, like I said before. She should do whatever she wants. Well, that's just going to rally up his base. Well, as a general rule, I don't think anybody should tweet at Donald Trump because it's just... It's like, don't feed the trolls. You know, right. that's no, just a piece of internet wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm, thinking, I'm looking at the outline here. I'm trying to yeah. figure out how to segue over to foreign trip. Well, we could mention, while we're still on domestic stuff, that um, some news was broken by the aforementioned Washington Post... Um, just before we started recording um, tonight, that is directly related to the to the Russian probe, uh, in that the Washington Post is reporting that the Trump administration is highly considering returning to the Russians any day now, two very large compounds, one in New York and one in Maryland, um, that were seized by the Obama administration um, in December. Um, in retaliation for the um, the hacking of the DNC and other electoral activities. Um, and uh, these compounds in particular because uh, they were considered by American intelligence to be compounds used by the Russians for their own intelligence purposes. Here's what's weird to me about this. So the Trump White House, they are aware that people are focusing on all this stuff between them and the Russians. Yes, and they still do stuff like this. Which you could say is, you know, so this was a major part of the sanctions that we, that we imposed on Russia. We took these compounds and we kicked out everyone who was working in those compounds. We sent them back to Russia. Um, so returning these compounds is tantamount to, in part, reversing the sanctions, which is... Well, these were the post-election... These were the sanctions that were punishment for messing with our election. Right, but, what, but one of the... Um, one of the, the smoking guns that people have been looking for have been when... Um, you know, when the sanctions were announced, Michael Flynn started taking all of these meetings with the Russians, and, uh, and he has denied, and the White House has denied that the sanctions were discussed... But a lot of people have believed that the, the Trump administration said, you know, bear with us. You know, w- once we're in charge, we'll um, we'll undo the sanctions because, you know, uh, you helped us out with the whole election thing. And this would seem, you know, returning these compounds would seem to go along with that story. And what's so like, it's what I find suspicious is how stupid it is. Well, specifically the amount that they must for for some reason and i don't know what the reason is but for some reason they keep doing helpful things for russia and it, it given that they are under investigation on multiple fronts right. and they and don't seem a, to be getting anything in return even they don't know but and but when i think it's like how much must they want to do these things in, to keep doing them in the current very unfavorable environment, it must right. be a lot, and that's what right. I'm suspicious. Like, why? Well, why this is, is why it so keep, important? This is why we have to keep on investigating. Well, I agree, but also, yeah. like, I mean, we can't let this go. It's just the profligate amount of shade, like inviting them to the Oval Office and telling them code word clearance information. You just don't do that. Well. 
you and you certainly, certainly don't, don't have to do that. But you could you, meet them somewhere else. Like, or generally, if you're going to give, you know, secure information to people, you do it to you give it to one of your allies. It's just it sort of fits this idea that Trump seems to have more affection or affinity or interest in the relationship with the Russians than he does with anyone else. Almost with anyone else. Like, almost with America. Yeah, I mean, his base. He likes his base. I think that's true, but he doesn't do anything to help them. No. Like, his base... It's like there aren't that many people that he thinks of that he wants to do stuff for them. Like, he... His base are like his customers. They're like the Trump University customers. Right. So he, he, sort he of likes the Trump organization them. because it makes money. Yeah, but like, but then he he really reacted positively to Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin. Like he he it's like he regarded them as equals or something. Well, I mean, his foreign trip showed that really well. He got along great with the uh, autocrats that he met with and did horribly with. Um, the democratically elected leaders, and you know who has he been making uh, cooing phone calls to? But Rodrigo Duterte. You mentioned Rodrigo Duterte. I wasn't going to bring this up, but he told Rodrigo Duterte where the submarines are again, which you're not supposed to talk about. No, that seems to be a pattern. He um, he loves to talk about the submarines, yeah. but I, I think that that here's our segue to the foreign trip, and you know we talked Let's about this to a certain degree last week, but I think. In in the intervening time, it's become clear that that trip was actually way more of a disaster than we realized. That trip, I felt like I was realizing the whole time that it was a catastrophe. I, think I mean, I, really, like I a mean, major turning point in the yeah. Western situation that's going to be... I mean, he really fucked up our relations with our Western allies. I believe that in 50 or 100 years, this period of time right now will be regarded as the crumbling of the post-World War II order, international yeah. order. I mean, it, it, it is true, because I mean, I think, you know, you, we've, we've got Angela Merkel, um, who is saying that, you know, we can no longer depend on the Americans, we have, the Europeans have to go it alone, and, you know, let's say that we have our best case scenario here, and... By 2020, we get rid of Trump and we have a, a Democrat back in, in power and sanity is prevailing. Um, yes, well, we repair a lot of relationships and reverse a lot of policies, et cetera, et cetera, of course. Um, but I think that the seed has been planted in uh, Western Europeans' mind that, you know, if this can happen once in America, it can happen again. Um, and and so you, they will not depend on on us the way that they, they had in the past. Yeah, this just reminds me of... I remember when I learned about the dollar being the international currency. Yeah. And I that had seemed very natural. But then I learned that that was actually something we had to work hard to put into place. And it accrued these huge benefits to us. Yes, there are a bunch of systems like that, and NATO is another one, where all where we are getting such a huge benefit from just basically from just showing up and being like, "Hi, we're America, and we're going to continue doing what we've been doing." No, and then fair, we get in all the case, this. In the case of NATO, 
the Europeans benefit a lot from it as well. Yeah, I'm not saying nobody else benefits. I'm just saying we're sort of spoiled as Americans that yeah. we benefit from all these international arrangements that are, you know, financial, diplomatic, military. There's a lot of different arrangements that people have spent a lot of effort and time building up. Yeah, I mean, they didn't appear out of thin air. No, and and part of what they're based on is this idea that America will, you know, go through good times and bad times, but will hold on to certain fundamental principles and can be counted on. And so, so thinking about the financial part, there's all these debt ceiling games of chicken we've been playing. And the big fear is if we keep doing that, people will say, look, we got to stop using treasury bond. Like these people are nuts. And so Trump just did something that was the equivalent that was worse for our international diplomatic and military arrangements where he was like, you can't count on the United States. And so once he does that, no matter what we ever do from now on, no one can a hundred percent count on us because there's always a chance they've, we've shown them that there's a chance we'll actually be unreliable. Yeah, I mean, probably a lot of the damage could be undone um, over, I disagree. A, over an extended period of time. I suppose it could be undone if there was another world war where we intervened. Well, that would, that would be a... Yes, that would be an external That's the event, way we but... did it the first time. That's why we were able to do all these things, is we went and liberated you know, all those countries, France, Germany... We helped out in England, and we didn't even do that much. That's the thing that's so stupid. It's like the the our cost for buying in was so much lower than like a lot well, of the European countries. We, we we didn't pay nearly as much in blood as um, Soviet Union, for example, as they did. But um, we, I mean, so, I mean you know, everybody the, made sacrifices. There, there is no question that the United States uh, played a very integral part in winning World War. No, II. but this is basically yeah. like Donald Trump basically was spitting on the graves of World War II veterans, being like, "What you died for, I'm just throwing it away because I'm in a shitty mood." Yeah, well, he he's also too stupid to even realize any of that. That's in a way the worst part. Yeah. Is it would it would be horrible if he knew what he was doing. The fact that he's doing it and he doesn't even understand it is I don't know if that's worse or better. But if you were to get the official White House spin on his trip, you'd get a really different story from the one that we're telling. Did you have an opportunity to watch Sean Spicer's press briefing on Tuesday? I didn't, but I know I know I I've I gather what he said, you know, that it, it was very successful. It was bizarre. Um, I mean, it was it was like, I mean, the transcript's almost worse than than watching him say the stuff. Um, I mean, it, it it sounded like like North Korean propaganda. It's like this is the most historic and successful trip in the history of the world, and Donald Trump is the greatest, smartest most accomplished man who has ever lived and um and he brought hundreds of billions of dollars to the United States and created tens of millions of jobs during the 9 days that he was away and we should all you know bow down to his prowess and glory that was basically what Sean Spicer said over well, and over again. and it's it's just terribly depressing because you know he, <laughs> Angela Merkel is going to say what she's going to say, right? So it doesn't sure. matter what Sean Spicer tries to spin it. 
our alliance with Germany is one of the things that Russia would most like to disrupt. And it's disrupted now. Yeah. And we don't, you know, whatever Trump or Spicer tries to say about it, we can read what Germany's saying about it. Well, I mean, you uh, you had you had another really direct contrast um with uh um Emmanuel Macron, the the new president of France, uh, had a, a meeting with with Putin and they did a dual press conference as is normal at, at these events and to Putin's face he said that he had not allowed Russia Today and uh, another Russian media organization I can't remember the name of um, he had not allowed them access to his campaign for an extended period of time in the run up to the election because he considered them to be uh, pure propaganda arms of the Russian government and uh, akin to a hostile intelligence service he also, and he, com- and he, he, also he said this to Putin's yeah. face you all it, it was at the same speech where he talked about Erdogan Putin and Trump as being in the same yeah and they are that's the other thing that's unpleasant right now is we're the bad guys now not you but like well I think it is important to separate the Trump administration from from the uh, majority of the American people who did not vote well, for it isn't it isn't right I mean we are going to pull out of the par- I mean the way our government works all of our international relations are being decided by the executive branch. Like, I can't keep us in the Paris no, climate but the, accords. It, it, the decisions of Donald do not reflect on, say, you and me. I no. disagree. I think they... I, I think... I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's letting... I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's a fact that our international relationships are going to be in his hands. Yep. That's a fact. I didn't vote for him. Nope. But I'm American. And so... Does he represent us? Yes, he does. And so... I guess it might just be as simple as these things are happening no matter what I think or want. So we are now... I mean, I think devaluing a, our NATO relationships in favor of relationships with autocrats. Sure. I mean, I, I think in in terms of our personal responsibility, there, there's a certain amount of a, just a semantic argument. Um, the, the, but you're right. The facts are the facts, and and that's what's happening, um, and that's the most important thing. And uh, again, that's the reason that we're sitting here having this conversation. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, and this goes back to something I was saying earlier too. You know, where you're you're talking about how there's going to be electoral consequences. I think sometimes I feel as if it's like if we're in, if we're on a train, and and I see that we're heading towards a cliff, and we're going to fall off the cliff, and then you're like, well, in an hour we'll get to the next station and we can figure out how to solve this problem then. And I'm like, we're all going to be dead. So like, it sort of feels like we're missing the ability to do anything about it when it would still help. Well, I am certainly not advocating that we don't do anything about it until the next set of elections. I mean, we need to, I mean, and I'm not disagreeing that that's going to be a big opportunity to make some impact. You know, if we can flip the house in that 2018 election, it'll be a humongous help. And we'll see. I think the, the biggest bellwether to date will certainly be the uh, Georgia sixth district. 
Um, I just think we're all going to miss the pre-Trump international order. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, there's no question about that. I mean, and of course, international relations are horribly complicated. Um, I've seen some people talking about how an unintended good consequence of this could be that it could force the European Union to actually coexist um, and work together in a much more substantive and serious way regarding international security and monetary policy and so on because they can't depend on the U.S. to the degree that they could previously. I suppose Um, I see that argument, although from my point of view as a United States person, I I I think it would be nice if we could have a good relationship with Europe. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm looking for a silver lining. Um, yeah. Whereas uh, in, I, in as, what, as usual, am just not allowing there to be any silver no. linings. You're not big on silver linings. I'm lining. not sure there are that many. I mean, we got Kafiv. Yeah, we did. I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> I don't think it was. I, I, thought, I think it was played out by about 8 a.m. Um, I told you I'm more of a Bukatev were man than a Kafiv man. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I'm I, more a Sean Spicer tweeting his password kind of guy. I don't, I don't even know what to say. I mean, there, I, EJ Dion had an interesting column today about how the, you know, the anti-Trump right is getting a, he he thinks anyway louder and file not found. Give and, me one Republican in Congress. Oh, it's 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 the intelligentsia types, not no elected officials. Um, I mean, one of the things that's become really clear lately is how much pull the intelligentsia of the conservative movement have, which is very little, and they don't have any. Because they were all the National Review did a whole magazine where they were like, "Never vote for Trump." What did it? It didn't do anything, and now they're writing pieces about how great he is. Well, sometimes, some sometimes they still say nasty things about him. Um, it doesn't make any difference. No, it doesn't make any. Doesn't. You know, it's not like Trump's being like, you know what? Maybe I should listen to the Heritage Foundation. But I guess the question is, are we going to see still uh, a realignment um, where you have the, basically a Trump party and some other kind of party that will emerge from the ashes of the modern Republican Party at some point? Well, because of the way our voting system works, we're fated to have two parties. It does seem that way. I mean, that's just... uh, Because of how we have first-past-the-post voting, we have have to have two parties. We're fated... It's like, I'm I'm serious. It's not... No, no, it's it's true. And so we're going to... I think we're going to continue to have a Democratic Party, despite the purity... Crusaders of the of the the true left, the Bernie um, Bros. Well, the Bernie Bros and the Purity Crusaders are there's overlap, but I think there is yeah. a difference too. There is a difference, but there's a lot of overlap. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think we're still going to ha- continue to have a Democratic Party, um, and it's I don't know what's going to happen to the Republican Party. I suspect what I'm seeing suggests that they'll just accept that this is what they are now, and they'll just become the Trumpists. So there will be two parties, Trumpist Republicans and Democrats. And this is the idea. It'll be like, yeah, I mean, it'll it, be like Rockefeller Republicans. You right, know, I mean, we'll it is what happened when you had be. 
you had Rockefeller Republicans, and then it, it turned into the party of Reagan. But I, I guess the difference is, is that the the difference between the, you know, uh, even like the Nixon, Rockefeller, Republican, you know, Dwight Eisenhower, Republican Party, and the Ronald Reagan, um, proto-Barry Goldwater, Republican Party, was not, there was not nearly as much of a gulf there as there it was between the that party and the Donald Trump party, which is a proto-fascist, weird weirdo populist, but not actually doing anything for people, populist, bizarro, evil party. I think a lot of this will have to do with how the future elections turn out. I mean, if the Trump... Because parties adjust to... Parties want to win elections. That is their number one goal. And so if the Republican Party turns into this Trumpist party and it never wins another election for, like, eight years, then I think it'll go back to being more of your typical big money, you know, rich people having fun at the expense of the poor people party like it's always been. But if they keep winning elections, potentially aided by the incredible purity of the Bernie bros and refusing to help or vote for any Democrats, then they'll just keep doing yeah. it. They'll do what works. I mean, I guess I would say we're, we just, we're in very uncharted waters. Uh, oh my I God, yes. Donald Trump is the president. Well, Donald Trump is the president, and I just, but forgetting even about him for a second and just looking at the Republican Party, I don't think that there has ever been a time in American history when um, one of the two major political parties has spent so much time uh, straight up lying. Um, I think they're united primarily by hatred of liberals. Uh, they do seem to get along about that. Which means that is, they don't really need any ideological content. They can just, their ideological content is we're not them. Well, right, but it, it's, I mean, and, but they, they did that. They played that game during the Obama presidency, too, right? Um, we didn't see the level of deceit and just straight-up lying that that we are seeing now. I mean, we saw it from some people, Mitch McConnell and, and company, but, uh, I mean, they, you, you now have, you know, normal Republican politicians standing out saying, saying the sky is green and... Uh, and you know carbon dioxide is is really fun to breathe um and to a degree that is just unbelievable i mean you i i feel like when you have joe scarborough turning on you like that that does mean something like when he, even he is so flabbergasted at the level of lying and dishonesty it's i i, mean, I don't know what it, what it means but it means something i'm afraid it means that we're about to learn a bunch... It's like every 80 years, people have to learn a bunch of horrible lessons. Yeah. Now, in American history, that has certainly happened, and every time we've come out of it on the other side as a better country. So, is there some way that we can do that now? I don't know, man. I feel like this was the last... This was the... For all the... You know, I know that I overblow things sometimes, but this was a pretty consequential election. I mean, the environment is going to... I mean, we were, many I, I, un- I, I, irrevocable we things are going to happen now. We were already screwed on the environment. 
Well, we were and we weren't, right? I mean, there's always the opportunity to try to make limit better, the harm yeah. or to ignore it and make it even worse. You know, I think our our future generations will be keenly aware of the difference between two degrees of warming versus four degrees of warming versus six degrees of warming. Yep. You know, so we're going to get some level of warming, but it absolutely is within our control right now. How much? And 50 or 100 years from now, um, historians and regular people are going to look back and they're going to remember that the uh, only people in the developed world who did not subscribe to the theory, if you will, of climate change um, were the was the Republican Party in the United States. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, I think there will be a lot of really interesting chapters in a lot in history books. Hope, hope like, Assuming I hope that they exist, yeah. right? But and they'll say the the Donald Trump years will be regarded as a really important turning point for the United States, where we decided we didn't want to be at the forefront of the coming energy revolution because we decided to become we, an international pariah because we decided to be ignoramuses instead. Because we hated women and black people. And facts. It was more important that Hillary used a private email server. <laughs> well, if if we make it that far, I think um, it will only make history look even more kindly on uh, President Obama. Who will... <laughs> you always say that. I do. <laughs> it's not worth it. I mean, sure, they're going to be like, I don't know. What are we talking about? What's the next thing on the... Are we at the end of the list? I think we are. I think we're at, at the point in the week when you uh, tell us that you are in no way, shape, or form sane. Well, you know, in terms of staying sane this week, I do find myself adjusting to this reality. Like, I don't know if that's good. Well, I don't know if it is either. Um, I think I said something previously about this where we talk a lot about like we shouldn't normalize this and and yeah. I think that's a really interesting concept because f- factually speaking the things that are happening are happening this is the world that exists and I don't know whether it's normal or abnormal you know I mean I think talking about what's normal or abnormal is sometimes just a way of talking about how we believe there's some other state that the world should be in and we will be able to get back to that other state somehow. And then, then that's normal. And what's happening now is some deviation. And I suppose that's a useful concept, but to me, you know, this is what's happening now. This is the world that exists now. And so when I say adjust, I don't, I definitely do not mean like, sure. But I do find myself becoming more accommodated to the way things are. Yeah. And, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I, I mean, the obvious, super easy and cheap historical parallel to make is that um, ordinary people living in Germany in the 1930s and 1940s should have done a lot more to resist their government. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, I have no answer to that. <laughs> I think, you know, I try to I try to remain vigilant about, like, mass imprisoning of people in concentration camps you know right i mean one of the things that 
I am very gloom and doom, but in fact, as we were talking about, there are institutions that are resisting Trump. The judiciary. The judiciary, the, the press. The mainstream, non-Fox. We have the, we're having press, this yeah. wave of white nationalist terrorism that is mm-hmm. a really big problem. And that predated the, the election, if we're being honest. Well, yeah, I mean, in, if you, depending on how you look at it, America was founded on white nationalist terrorism. And there hasn't ever really been a... Well, not just America. But I guess what I'm I saying mean, is... The, most of Western and Eastern Europe, too. I mean, let's... There let's, are things that we are that are not happening that would activate me a lot more. Like if we started going to war with people. Well, right. I, I think the fact that the judiciary stepped in and um, knocked down the Muslim ban, um, I think we, we would be seeing a lot more mass protest if that hadn't happened. Um, yeah, and I think you know there is still the future. There's still a future that is possible where, in 2020, Trump loses, and you know, President Cory Booker starts to work on mending our relationship. You know, like there is sure. like a non-disastrous end to all this, but I think for the moment we just have to survive. We have to. We, it's our responsibility to do the best that we can to prevent the bad things from happening. Yeah, and I, I think that's more or less what I argue when when you get mad at me for being overly patriotic. Um, when do I get mad at you for being overly patriotic? When I go into my long screeds about how you know America is better than this, and you know it's important to uh, to be. A patriot and to defend the the values that we built and that uh, we fought and died for over hundreds of years, and then you kind of roll your eyes at me. I guess I do roll my eyes at that. I mean, partly it's because <laughs> I, I sort of take it as given that, like, yes, there's a bunch of great stuff about America, but like. America is currently very gravely ill and like so it doesn't it doesn't seem germane to me to be like well you know 50 years ago we really how how many years ago was World War 2 60 70 right. years ago we really saved everybody's bacon and I'm like that's absolutely true but like right now we're being led by a monster I guess the argument I would make is that say um you you go back to the civil war which I would still argue was our darkest moment as a country right I mean, and, that's, that's hard to argue with, yes. And, uh, you know, 600,000 Americans died in that conflict. Um, Counting Confederates as Americans? Yeah, uh, loosely, 600,000, right? Um, in, in order to preserve the Union and to uh, remove the evil of slavery from our country. Um, I mean, that's what some of them were fighting for. Well, right. And we, we were on that side. Um, and... I think that not doing our our full duty as uh, as patriotic Americans um, uh, disrespects the memory of what uh, a lot of those brave people did during the Civil War and um, and the people who fought in World War II and the people who marched during the Civil Rights era in the 1960s um, and so I I think we owe it to them to um, to follow their example and prevent do everything we can to prevent um, all their work for for being for naught. I don't think I disagree with that. Sometimes I'm suspicious of patriotism 
patriotism can be used in well because it can become it's, there's nationalism way. is in that same neighborhood right yeah. and then you end up with yeah. like that can lead to some problems I think people should do what's ethically right yes sometimes America makes mistakes oh a lot see for example right now so what are, so what are we talking about we're i should be nicer to you about being patriotic no promises <laughs> no, no okay i wasn't <laughs> expecting any so you, you you were saying that you're feeling a little saner because you are accommodating to the present circumstances i think it was difficult right after the election because it, it felt so clear how things could have been right well it felt like we could and have so, had a continuation of the Obama yeah. presidency. It felt like I was living in like a dark timeline and I felt like I yeah. could see the other one and I was like, what has happened? Like, this isn't fair. But we are now firmly in that timeline. Well, I think it's just, it's been sort of a process of recognizing that that other timeline I keep fantasizing about is not a real thing. It never was a real thing. And what we're doing right now is real. And that's what, where my focus should be. And so, right, yeah, I, I, I think I think that's totally right, um, and I, I think I think we're basically saying the same thing. It's, it's I just, think you know, so in, too. in the stages of grief, the the stage of acceptance that we're at should not be, um, you know, accompanied with uh, uh, slothfulness. I don't think anyone's saying we yeah. should be slothful. No, you're not. You're not. And I, in terms of how I'm staying sane. Um, you know, I, I went to a very nice wedding over the weekend, and, you know, so it, which helped demonstrate that uh, even in these rather unpleasant times, there are still good things that are happening, and, you know, uh, life is continuing in, uh, in, in smaller ways, and we should continue to celebrate those things um, while remaining uh, vigilant and uh, uh, continuing to work to... Uh, to get things back to uh, the way that they should be. So let's see, is that a fun, did we hit a fun ending point? Yeah, I think that, I think we're going to get a lot of laughs out of that. <laughs> so I'm staying sane because I've given up on the optimistic <laughs> future I was attached to previously, and now I'm resigned to a slog through repairing the damage. Let's do, let's, that'll be fun. Let's do our Sean Spicer. How many more, how many more days from right now do you think Sean Spicer is going to continue to be the press secretary? I'm going to go with 30, 34. Um, I'm going to I'm going to take the over on that. I'm not going to give a specific number, but I'll take the over just because. That's not fair. I had to give a specific number. Well, you went first. That was your mistake. Um, because Mike Dubkey resigned as the communications director, right? Yeah. And so Spicy is back to wearing two hats. He's the acting communications chief as well as um as as running the press shop and uh and they're also clearly going to be doing many fewer televised press briefings um and i think that spicy can't piss trump off nearly as much if he's not appearing as much and i also suspect that when they do their infrequent press briefings they're going to start rotating who gives them do so you think spicy. he'll remain with the title, but the, what he does will be different? Yeah, I think you're going to see press briefings where occasionally Spicy will come out, and uh, I think we're going to. I think you might even see guys like H.R. McMaster 
get trotted out. Man, there's I a mean, because he's, he's really been dignity wraithed big time. I realize um, 34 days from today is July 4th, so it would be oh. pretty amazing if Sean Spicer got fired, fired on July 4th. Well, but I think Trump likes doing things like that. Trump does delight in hurting and undercutting the people who work for him. Yeah, I think a, a more interesting question is will um will Jared manage to stay in his position or will he become too much of a distraction? I think of Jared as the Trump whisperer, so I think he'll stay in his position forever. I think you're probably right. The only only other scenario I could see would be where he would officially leave, but in reality, not go anywhere. That's not that different. I mean, yeah, yeah. All right, I think that's it. So let's see. For the record, we think I I put down my bet that Sean Spicer will be fired in a in a By gigantic July Fourth celebration <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> Um, and, and, and that I'm, Jared Kushner will remain in the White House forever. I'm, I'm taking the over on Spicy. I think Spicy, um, particularly by dint of his um, Kim Jong-un-esque performance on Tuesday in glorifying dear leader Donald, has bought himself at least two months. We'll see. We'll see. Um, you'll have to tune in. So thanks for listening to Santa Check. Make sure to join us again next week, and uh, we'll see if Spicy's still here with us. And if you liked what you heard, you can subscribe at iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at SanityCheckPod.com. And in the meantime, for all the reasons that we discussed today, it's very important to keep resisting and persisting.